You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. This is Mike Walteri. Welcome back to Technopolitics, where we believe that technology changes everything. I'm here with David Aponovich, who is one of our newest analysts in application development delivery team. And David, you cover web content and digital experience. I do, web content management and the related aspects of digital experience and uh, the, the approaches that companies and organizations take to better connect with customers and users. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about what digital experience is and user experience and customer experience because I think these terms are kind of synonymous, uh, and, but what do they really mean? And when I think of user experience or customer, especially user experience, if we're talking about people using tablets or websites, I think of three dimensions. And this is how I define it. Mm-hmm. And I uh, wonder if you uh, are like-minded. So I define along three dimensions, uh, useful, usable, and desirable. So useful just means that the user has features that they want to use. You know, So if it's a Zipcar website, it's like I can find a car that I want and I can schedule it. Usable means it's easy to use, meaning you know, if I want to buy a particular product on a website, it, I can do it in three clicks. It doesn't take me 13 clicks or I can find the information. And desirable, uh, that sounds like sort of a wishy-washy thing, doesn't it? But desirable means that you feel good about using that software, that experience. So it's really these three dimensions of useful, usable, and desirable that, that, that make up a great user experience. Um, I think a lot of uh, application developers and organizations focus on the usable but usable is, it's important, but it's one dimension. It you is, can have yeah. something that's highly usable, uh, but if it's not useful and if you don't like it. I, I, think it's, I think you hit the nail on the head that useful, usable, and desirable are the holy grail of what we're trying to get to and organizations should be looking at as they think about their next generation of uh, digital experiences and overall customer experiences. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get any of those right, and it's even harder to get all three of them right, but when you do it right, you come away with something that's really great and can be a differentiator against the competition and do, really elevate your. Do you uh, find a, do you find a lot of companies are are wanting to do redesign now? Like they've taken a lull and now they need to redesign these experiences. Yeah, talking specifically about the web or the digital presence, um, a lot of companies are still stuck in their second or third generation web presence, uh, and they're looking now at a whole new generation of tools like web content management with advanced features that speak directly to marketers and allow marketers to better speak to customers that they might not have had this accessibility and this uh, this type of technology two or three or four years ago so when they make a shift to a new technology uh, like web content management it's a perfect time that they're also looking at what is the overall user experience it makes sense to do both at the same time Um, adding new functionality and capabilities is going to lead an organization to rethink the overall experience itself. Yeah, and I guess the the larger the organization, the harder it is to do. And there are a few organizations larger than the U.S. government. Yeah, speaking of which, the U.S. government, talk about a, uh, talk about a user base uh, and a customer base, 300 million Americans. Um, talk about that as your, uh, as your target audience. Uh, and that's really the subject of a post I recently did on the Forrester blogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, talking about what the digital transformation uh, and what they're doing at the federal level to transform government online. Well, why do they have to transform it? Aren't the aren't the uh, all, aren't the government websites beautiful and gorgeous? I mean, 
Uh, well, I don't know which sites you've been looking at. I know some <laughs> I think are quite helpful. Um, yeah. I know the Smithsonian uh, has some nice looking sites. Oh, that's and, true. Uh, and yeah. Some others, but I think getting into the government uh, and really the, the 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 process of running government and being efficient to citizens um, and to businesses, um, I think there have been some challenges facing the government and the websites that they have. They have over a thousand websites, believe it or not. Wow, um, running in the country um and right now there's a push to consolidate um and that really is a a a good news message um and really the um what's been happening is uh the new uh cto of the united states todd park has commissioned uh a team of what he's calling presidential innovation fellows Mm -hmm. Um, todd park himself is an entrepreneur from high tech circles he started uh Athena Health, uh, IT company focused on providing uh, software and technology for um, physician practices and mm-hmm. physician uh, uh, and, and the medical industry, healthcare industry. Uh, but he's gone on to government to try and bring some of that mindset of what works in the real world to government. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll take a step back and say I think what government has suffered from over the years when it looks at digital. Uh, is the bureaucracy that has characterized its offline existence. Mm-hmm. When you think about government offline, you think about the buildings that it exists in and the structures of government and the departments that administer uh, programs or uh, policies. I think of standing in lines. There's a lot of lines, too. At the registry. Um, and there's a great example of the registry where, um, or, or let's say paying your, say you live in a city and you pay taxes on real estate. Uh, if somebody walked into their city hall today and tried to find the department to go pay their taxes, would they go to the tax collector? Would they go to the city clerk's office? They would walk down the hallway and probably look at a sign and, and hope that they could interpret something out of that sign and say, that sounds like where I want to go. Let's try and poke around and see. Well, websites have turned into a lot of that for government websites. Um, the websites really are built around the structure of government the way that they've seen themselves, really an inside-out approach uh, to how government views themselves. And citizens have been kind of looking at that and trying to say, well, how do I, how do I approach this website and figure out what I want to do rather than knowing what department I have to go to? And really, the smart and the successful government websites that are changing their stripes are taking that kind of outside-in approach, looking at what do their customers, constituents, want to do and designing experiences online that help them do that, regardless of who or what department is in charge of it. And it's a massive undertaking, because as you said, there's thousands of websites, there's th- thousands of reasons to interact with the government, There's and there's content sites, such as like the NIH providing health information, but there's also transactional sites like mm-hmm. the, the IRS, so it's huge. And I think, um, you know, we're kind of uh, uh, making fun of uh, a lot of the government bureaucracy, and uh, but companies have the same problem. And uh, uh, many of them do, mm-hmm. where they're large and they're global. Uh, they have to deal with multiple languages, multiple customs. And again, they organize it around how their company is organized versus how customers, what customers' desires are. Very true. And I, I come back to the theme of outside in, right? We've uh, Forrester's analysts, uh, Harley Manning uh, and Kerry Vodine have published Outside In recently as a book, um, and it espouses the concepts that, um, you know, companies and organizations need to look at how their customers are perceiving them and build experiences for the customer um, that are going to be helpful and useful. Uh, 
So, I mean, that, that outside in seems like a really easy mindset shift to make. Um, so, you know, because as soon as you say it, it's like immediately obvious. Like, yeah, uh, we definitely have to organize these things around the customer uh, to give them a better user experience. But then there's how do you do it? Uh, there's what technology is in place. I mean, I think of, uh, we, we talked about, I know you cover web content management, and you mm -hmm. know, I don't know too much about it, but here's what I think of some products like Vignette and Interwoven. I think of these products as developed in a, like in the 90s, and that they're slow, lumbering, and inflexible uh, to deal with, with these type of changes and experiences. Am I right or am I wrong? Um, I or am I partially right? You're maybe partially right. I think that I, I think that um, technology providers in general, um, some have been slower than others to adapt to the new, the new paradigms of what marketers or what organizations need. IT organizations themselves are slower to adapt, I think, to what the business actually wants and the communication silos that have grown up in these organizations. Why do you don't think? Why do you think IT is slower to adapt? I, I always think of IT as wanting to change and the business. Uh, wanting to, to slow them down. I know that's probably a minority opinion, but that's actually what I think. I actually think of, of, of business or government not wanting to spend the money to make the changes uh, and not wanting to put the resources on it. That what they want to do is they want to uh, silo IT. They want to treat them as a utility, and they don't want to give them the resources they need to actually do all this stuff. So they want it, but they don't want to pay for it. <laughs> well, let, uh, let, me re let me amend my opinion then, because I think that IT certainly has been a driver of change. It may not have always been the right change, um, and that partially is because I think that, let's call it two sides of the coin, maybe it's the IT side and the business side, and whether that's defined as uh, marketing or business or customer experience side, have not always been talking about what the direction they want to go in is, and they haven't been aligning themselves to get there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the good news is that, you know, with IT and, uh, th and the folks on the other side starting to talk a lot more about these things, uh, more successful projects are getting done. And I think that's, as a, as a prescription, that's what we think is necessary to really push the needle uh, on some of these um, necessities to move a company forward. Um, mm -hmm. And a customer experience is a big part of that. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that, uh, IT can exist on its own and not consult with the business side of the house before they purchase, say, a web content management or a other marketing-related tools uh, can't well, exist. But the business controls the budget. So if the business wanted to be outside in, mm -hmm. if the business made a decision, the CEO and, and the executive team said, you know what, we want to redesign this, uh, uh, this lame web experience, uh, and we want to do it from the outside in. Mm-hmm. Don't they just need to make that decision and tell IT to go? Well, therein lies the rub because a lot of times it doesn't get up that high in the organization and it needs an executive champion. Um, even at larger organizations, um, it may not involve the right people and it may not involve the right mandates trickling down uh, and be made clear to the right people. Um, so there is still, um, in terms of you know, internal politics are always an issue. Yeah, see, I think, IT, I think business often uses IT as an excuse on why they're not m moving forward. Well, let's get over that. We'll try and break that cycle. Okay, we'll, well let's, break that let's cycle. actually get back to this, uh, the, actually the someone attempting to break this cycle, which is the U.S. government. Yeah, and, Todd, and Todd Park uh, as yeah. the CTO seems to be yeah. going in the right direction. Yeah. Uh, and in my blog post, I mentioned, you know, breaking the mold 
of the old ways of doing things is great. And I do think it sounds like, based on what he's doing, it sounds like he has a sledgehammer to take and break up the old way of doing things. And I do cite a couple of examples of what I think are going in the right direction oh, with yeah. this presidential fellows group. Um, in short, he's brought on about, uh, I think it's 16 or 20 uh, people. Mm-hmm. each, And he's broken them up into small groups of four or five people, each, ta- each tasked with tackling um, one of five projects at the federal level. And these people are from private industry. That's right. Are, are they full-time or is it more of a committee? It looks like a, a six-month program that they're brought in. I'm okay. not sure if it will be extended, but it's uh, these people have uh, dedicated themselves to coming to Washington for the next six months to try and solve some of government's pressing digital problems. Yep. Uh, and the two that, and these are multidisciplinary teams too. Uh, they involve typically, uh, you know, folks from IT or, or engineering side people, uh, design people, business analyst people, um, even folks with robotics background and, and, mm. and entrepreneurial background. So they're bringing the idea of outside uh, private industry thoughts right. and ideas into government, which right. can, I think, only be a good thing. Yep. Um, but one project that caught my eye was is called MyGov, and what they're doing is prototyping um, what really the next generation of the government's website or websites will be. And I think it's a very high-level prototype of what they want to do to consolidate 1,200 websites uh, literally dozens of content management systems that exist today uh, and the content and the services and the uh, capabilities that are delivered online right now See, to I the citizens. See, I think what's interesting about that is that in the attempt to create a website, this, this MyGov, that's a better experience for the citizens, there's this consolidation mm-hmm. need because uh, you have technical barriers to actually achieving that. So when you said they're trying to, uh, you know, collapse uh, content management systems, because they probably have hundreds of different technologies. Because uh, mm-hmm. and this is the, this is the way things evolved in the late 90s when everyone started to go to the web. Yeah, and back to the silo, silo metaphor, everybody was doing their own thing, departmentalized right. in, the, in the government, uh, like often has happened in, in the private sector. Um, the MyGov initiative, I don't think, is going to come up with a prescriptive, this is the, the final answer, but I think they'll come up with an approach. Yep. It sounds like over the next six months, this team is going to come up with some suggestions as to how the government can go about um, rationalizing this massive number of websites um, and looking at it from the customer perspective rather than the government's perspective. Because what exists today, uh, in my opinion, and really I think, um, I think looking at their sites would say this is a government-oriented uh, infrastructure and a government-oriented customer experience. That's pretty not, exciting. Not citizen-centric. That I mean, that just gave me an idea. If I was running for president, <laughs> I'd be up there and I'd be like, and if you vote for me, I will transform all of the websites in the government and they will be as easy to use as an iPhone. Would you vote for me? I might vote for you. Okay, well, thank you for being kind. Uh, what's the other project? Uh, the other one is, is, uh, has a lot of potential, and I'm quite interested in it. It's called the Open Data Initiative. Um, and when you think about the government, um, think about the, the, the big data that it has at mm. its disposal uh, and, and literally um, unlimited, unlimited amounts of data on just about anything you can think right. of. Um, what this team is looking at is how to accelerate opening up that data for um, entrepreneurs, for companies, for people outside of government to use it uh, in ways that will uh, benefit citizens, businesses, and, and others in the country. Uh, when you think about it, what they're talking about uh, is looking at data to, to pro- uh, for example, to create apps that will help people um, uh, pick the right college mm-hmm. based on government data. 
Right. Um, all of that is siloed somewhere right now in the government. It needs to be exposed. That's a great initiative. I agree because there there is an enormous data resource out there, and it is it is siloed. I, I happen to know a bit about that because I was doing some research on big data and big data sources. There's a lot of um, sources out there, but they're mm-hmm. really hard to to draw together. Yeah, I think surfacing it and shining a light on what data is out there, and then leaving it to uh, to entrepreneurs and others to to figure out how best to to bring it out or to make right. something of it. Or even government, I mean, that's a great point, but I, I, I would also say other government agencies mm-hmm. because they can probably benefit from each other's data. And, and it's probably not a, a, a good assumption to make that it's easy for them to get it. Agreed. It's so siloed. So this would benefit everyone. So we'll che- we should check back in in six months and see who who's first mover on this, whether it's it's government agencies figuring out how to better use the data, or if it's uh, private industry pulling out the data and government picking it back up in a, in a useful and positive way. Yeah. So how long do you think an effort like this would take? That's a great question. I know that this presidential innovation fellows program. Uh, as I've said, is only six months, and what I think they'll come away with is recommendations and an action plan. I, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine this is a multi-year initiative. I think it's a costly initiative when you think about it, uh, and it will involve much more than just technology, and much right. more than just uh, moving data around or moving websites around. You've got to rethink how do you staff for really what's going to be a, a new um, a new approach to creating and, and managing digital as an essential part of government, just like companies are going through the transition now to make digital the central part of yeah, what they Yeah, it doing. seems like a massive collaboration project, and it, and it seems like overwhelmingly hard, but it 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 almost certainly has to be done, if, if not now, at some point. Welcome to 2012, right? Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's about time that it get done, um, and it's only going to get more complex as more time goes by. So if they don't address it right now... Um, it, it will get more complex uh, in the future. And frankly, um, I think as the culture of uh, as the culture of innovation has really come about in the last few years, um, coming out of places like MIT and and everywhere else, where companies are springing up overnight with great ideas, and great tools and applications, and other things that are benefiting companies. You know, you can start a company very small and grow it pretty fast today. Mm-hmm. I think with access, for instance, to data uh, from the government. Uh, there's going to be opportunities for entrepreneurs to uh, to kickstart some new projects and some new companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, it will help tap the minds of people who are capable of bringing about change uh, and, I think, reinvigorate government in terms of what they're doing with uh, digital and how they're delivering services and information online. Um, and like I've said, it's it's breaking the mold and it's taking new approaches to uh, to the old ways of doing things, and sometimes it's going to take new people to do that. Yep. David, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.